Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Today, we're going to be discussing a few things with John Dorwood, the CEO of Rox Golds. We're going to cover his recent drill announcement, their strategy and how they're piecing that together, and the fundamentals of mining in Africa and what the competition is up to. And if we can, we'll get a prediction out of him. These topics and more are in the description below. Click on the relevant timestamp and you'll go straight to that part of the video. So let's talk to John. John, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good to well, see you again. Yeah, we spoke recently online. I think you were in Oz. It's much better in person. It is, it is, it always is. So what we're gonna do today, if you don't mind, give us a one minute summary of the business, then we'll kind of get stuck into it. Sure, absolutely. So, so Rocks Gold is a, is a development and, and operating gold mining company. Our principal asset is the Yaramoko gold mine in Burkina Faso, which mm. Rocks Gold discovered in 2011 and put it into production in 2016. So it's been in operation now for three years. It's a very profitable, uh, very good operation. It's been a strong underpinning source of cash flow for our company. And we just made our first significant investment in terms of growth by buying the Seguela Gold Project in Cote d'Ivoire from Australia's Newcrest Mining. So let's talk about that. I want to paint a picture here for investors who are watching this on Investor.CruxInvestor. You outlined a strategy to me, which I thought was fascinating. You thought, right, we've got an asset. We're going to, rather than the kind of work out what you've got on the ground, you got quickly into production. And that's given you the cash to be able to look at additional acquisitions. But it was also out of necessity because of the, the mine life at Yaramoko is, is what it is. And we can maybe get into that now. Tell us a little bit about Yaramoko, what the what you saw there, and perhaps what the restrictions were in terms of things like mine life. So, I mean, Yaramoko is, is really a, a great asset. It's really, I think, for a company that's starting out and is a, is a, a junior with a development asset, Yaramoko is exactly the sort of asset that you want to find. High grade, mm. so extremely high grade, double digit resource grade. We've been mining high grade now for three years. Uh, the interesting thing with respect to the mine life is that we started, we published a feasibility study in 2014, which showed that we had a seven year mine life at 100,000 mm. ounces a year, so 700,000 ounces of production. Mm. We've been in production now for three years, we've produced over 350,000 ounces, and we still have a seven year mine life right. with, uh, with 830,000 ounces of resource. So you're, conti you're continuing to you know, drill out and step out and work out you know, how you can develop that, that body there. And I, in fact, you, you mentioned when we spoke last, there were a couple of other targets you're looking at in and around Yaramoko. Oh, absolutely. How's it's, that going? Yeah, no, it's going well. So we've done a, we've had a very active program of generating new targets, which mm. we're setting up to start targeting and, and drilling in the second half of this year. Mm. I think for, as with a lot of projects, the brownfields potential is always the most compelling. If we can find another deposit like Bagasy South or the 55 zone, mm. which are currently in operation, then the returns to, to our shareholders and the company should be very good. So that's that's motivating the search in and around where we've got. So let's get into some numbers there with with Yaramoko, so people understand that. Because yeah, I, I you know I've talked about short mine life, but you're you're extending that out slowly and surely. You're you've got a good team there. Mm. Looked at the track record of of delivering. It's mining's mining. It's tough. It's hard work. There's no kind of easy shortcuts here. But you've been kind of building that out. You hope to, to grow that and extend the mine life even further. Yes. So what are the things that you know you are looking at with your team on a daily basis? What's the things that are kind of keeping you awake at night in terms of needing to deliver? 
Oh, really, a, a continuing to deliver consistent production is the key for us. So if you look at our track record, we've tried to establish a record of, of under-promising and over-delivering. I think if you look at our first two full years of production, being 2017, 2018, we, both years we increased our guidance mm. and then came in above the top end of our guidance range. This year we're guiding to, a, you know, to what would be record production at Yarramoko. The guidance range is 145,000 to 155,000 ounces. Mm. We're very much on track to deliver that guidance again. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd uh, encourage viewers to go to page four of your current PowerPoint. It's got some quite interesting numbers on there. Um, just kind of back that up. But so, I mean, it's been a cash cow for you. You've created some, enough cash. It's, I think shareholders should be happy with what you've, you've built there. It's enabled you to have enough cash to look at the second asset, which is Seguera's one. You tell us a bit about what you saw there and why you've gone for that. Sure. It really plays to, our, I guess, our, our real strategy, which is to offer per share growth uh, in both mm. resources, reserves, production, but most importantly, earnings and cash flow. Mm. Slide four of our current presentation, I think, is a good starting point where mm. it shows on a per share basis mm. how we've gone. And, and it's some pretty impressive growth in terms of production and especially resources. So what I think happens with a lot of mining companies, and this is sometimes why I think investors may have a bit of a jaded view of the mining sector, is that the mining companies chase growth mm. pretty much any costs and a lot of that comes with issuing shares to acquire new development assets yeah. or new producing assets yeah. and we think that it's very difficult to deliver long-term sustainable value in doing such a way because if you're buying someone else's producing mine or you're buying someone else's development project they've probably surfaced a lot of the potential value we yeah. would like to do that ourselves we believe we have a team and we have a good cash flow so we'd like to take an asset maybe at an earlier stage invest capital in it, invest the expertise, de-risk it, move it along, and ultimately make it more valuable. So how do you, how do, you do that? Because obviously no one sells good assets, right? Or if they do, they don't sell it cheap. So you've got to come in at an earlier phase. Makes sense. But there's a lot of crap out there too, mm. right? So how do, how, what are you looking for that says, this is the one out of the hundred that we've looked at? Yes, well, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of crap out there. We've, we've popped the hood on a lot of assets, both operating and development and exploration assets, and to be honest, often not as advertised. And mm. I think that's that's something that we're, we're, we're concerned about. With Seguela, which is our first acquisition, uh, I think it's a really good case study to understand how we look at um, opportunities and what we want to do. It came out of Newcrest. Uh, Newcrest is Australia's, as many people will know, Australia's largest gold producer. It's the third largest gold producer in the world, and really has a, a strong exploration focus. I mean, Newcrest has discovered the majority of its assets over time. So it's really focused on exploration. Exploration is held in high regard. So why they sell it to you? So it probably looked like it didn't make their size threshold. Right. As I mentioned, the third largest gold company in the world, the asset now, we just published a new resource at 500, nearly 550,000 ounces. So I guess they couldn't see visibility to the 5 million plus ounces that a company of that size needs to be able to justify the effort. But you're not looking for that. It's certainly not day one. No, you, you've I'd got like to find it. Sure, that'd be nice. Yeah. But what this is what I'm trying to get at, so investors get a sense of what your thinking is here. You know, you're not looking for you know world beaters, you know, global scale assets. You're looking for a kind of mid-sized, profitable, low yeah. low operating cost, high you know, reasonable ASIC to this, and piecing together a, a this this say like this picture. So I mean, tell us about the thinking. That that's what investors want to understand. You know, how do you think about these things? 
and why does that make sense and how are you going to deliver it? Sure. So I think we, we've, we have the sort of the belief that little fish taste sweet. Uh, okay. Yarramoco, in, and we think it's, it's not done and we're finding more gold there, but it's not, it's not a, a world-class scale, world scale asset, mm. although very profitable. So we've taken that model and said, okay, this is an interesting, we believe this is an interesting model. This is a way that we can operate in a competitive landscape and still add value on an appropriate risk and reward basis. Mm. So buying Seguela at just north of half a million ounces yep. for $20 million of cash, yep. and that's very important to us because we were able to pay cash that we generated at Yarramoco. So no dilution. No dilution. And I know the share count has barely risen in, in the last two years, two and a half right. years. So we haven't issued uh, shares in terms of a traditional equity financing since early 2015, yeah. and we want to keep it that way. We yeah. want the owners of Roxgold to enjoy increasing share of resources and reserves and profitability and earnings and cash flow, yeah. as opposed to having to share that with, with new shareholders yeah. who've come in on the back of a, of, of a diluted financing. Okay. So Seguela presents itself as an opportunity we can get into at a reasonable price. Uh, it's $20 million on the barrel head that we paid to Newcrest, mm. another $10 million payable upon first production, so we think the interest, the risk is, is shared there. If the project doesn't make the, the production hurdle, mm. then we don't pay Newcrest 10 million. If it does, we'll be happy to pay that $10 million. For so, sure, but, but, but let's, let, okay, if, if you don't, you're 20 million into this, albeit with cash you've generated, it's been a non-dilutive exercise, but why is 20 million a good price? Well, we believe it's, a, we believe it's an excellent price. So we believe it's, a, as I say, Newcrest were motivated to sell because they didn't see the long run pathway we can still have a very good asset, anything above what we've found today. So we believe today, as it currently stands, Seguela is an economic asset and will be the next gold mine that Yarramoco builds. But the resource is half a million, right? Absolutely. So is that, I mean, I, normally I wouldn't look at anything under a million, so, so what, what, I, what, what are you seeing? And to be honest, I think that's the sort of thinking that we're trying to take advantage of. Great, um, okay. Perseus has just uh, built a new project in Cote d'Ivoire called Sisingue, which mm -hmm. has been, I mm -hmm. think, very successful for them. Mm -hmm. It's actually a smaller resource and a and lower grade than what we have today at Seguela. So I think there's a good case study that this can be worthwhile. Well, ca case studies, neurology, whatever, it, it, that doesn't answer the question about what you're looking at. What are you seeing over and above the data that uh, Newcrest sure. has given you, which says, I think we can make this bigger? Yeah, so we see, so the resource we've put out, 530,000 ounces at 2.4 grams. Yep is we'll get bigger from the recent drilling that we've done. So we've done some additional drilling recently in the last few months over and above what's included in that resource. Right. And, that, and we published that uh, earlier this week. But, but that, that's a kind of post the event thing. I, I'm intrigued by, oh. again, the thinking. So you, you agreed 20 million bucks plus 10 million bucks with the data you had, mm. the drill results that you inherited or you, you were allowed to look at before you decided to make the decision. What did you understand that others didn't? Well, I think we, we understood. I think it's probably buying option value at a reasonable price. And right. when I say reasonable price, I mean we've, we bought a project that we thought would be economic and we could make money off, off what we saw if it didn't get any bigger. Now, right, okay. 530, 550,000 ounces doesn't ring a lot of bells for people. Yeah. But when you come from a company that our side, of our size, it's still a meaningful increase in production. Yeah. So we, we're realistic about where we are and how big we are. So we saw our base case was squared away with a with a with a economic asset. Mm. We then saw that there was a series of other potential deposits that Newcrest had done work on all around Seguela. And if you look in our presentation, you'll see a map with concentric circles. So within 10 kilometres of the antenna deposit, yeah. which is the, the current deposit that has a resource at at Seguela, yeah. there's you know there's over a dozen 
targets that Newcrest has delineated, some of which are quite advanced, mainly Boulder and Agouti. Um, right. We put those results out earlier this week. Right. Some additional drilling that we've done. And you see very attractive high grade over broad intervals close to surface. So we're very confident that some of these, and we were very confident when we bought the, addition, the, the project. So that's page 17 of the PowerPoint, I think. That's right. So if you look at that, so we were very confident that some of these additional satellite targets would make the grade. And right. would become additional feed sources for a central mill. So it wasn't a question that we had to grow antenna, the one mm. with the resource. Yeah. It didn't have to make that any bigger. What we wanted to see was some of these additional the coming, elements that would improve the economics. Got would you have done that deal if you had to borrow the money? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, okay. I think if we'd, uh, if we'd had the borrowing capacity, I think, I mean, we're relatively agnostic to capital. I mean, if you borrow the money, you have to repay it. I mean, we have a, a relatively modest gearing level, so I'll we'll be able to do that. But there's a very different conversation with shareholders. You're going, right, I'm borrowing some money, diluting the company down here. I uh, appreciate your market cap is where it is, but uh, versus actually we've got the cash, we're going to give this a go because the optionality looks good to us. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I think being able to, to go to Newcrest and say, here's a cash offer, Yeah, I think that was a competitive advantage for us. You could uh, close the deal a lot quicker. Yeah, so some of, so, and we always look at where we sit in the competitive landscape. So we've, we think we've, we've got an area that sort of flies under the competition of the larger companies. Even sort of the mid-cap companies that are well capitalised are probably looking for projects bigger than us. And I don't want I don't want the viewers to think that we're deliberately looking for small projects. We just yeah. think that on balance, there's probably more opportunities less, for us and less competition. That's and, right. And, and, then, and less, less competition comes, you know, exactly. the price doesn't get inflated. That's right. And then and Newcrest right. and I, I don't know what other offers they received, but I imagine that would have been offers from from very junior companies that we had a lot of script in it. So Newcrest would have ended up being a large shareholder of a junior without a cash flow, and then really sort of hostage to the success of that company, being able to finance and take the project forward. With us, it was a clean exit. We've known the Newcrest people That's very well. Say. And I think they, they've seen what we've, yeah. we've done at Yaramoko. And I think for a, for a large company, and especially one like Newcrest, leaving a good legacy of where they've been is important. So they want to see it go to a good home, people who will be you know, good operators, good stewards, and, and we've been able to demonstrate that in Burkina Faso. The Minister for Mines of Burkina Faso actually wrote to his counterpart in Cote d'Ivoire, uh, giving us a recommendation and endorsement. Yeah, well, we we always good. always good. Transfer of the license. So, Newcrest, have they got? Are they setting on more assets in West Africa that you're aware of? They still have a they still have a joint venture position with Barrick that they inherited part of the Rangold acquisition. What's that doing? Um, I'm not really sure. They don't talk about it a lot, but okay. I'm always interested to know to learn more. So are we. Yeah. So are we. Okay. So that so that helps us understand a little bit about your 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 thinking. The small fish don't taste sweeter, um, and you think you've got the team to be able to extract the value there. And there's a big kind of list of things to look at in that portfolio that come yeah. along with Seguela. That's right. And, and I mean, if you if you go forward, so I mean, we've talked a little bit about what attracted us to the asset. Mm. But if you look, if you roll forward over the, the next couple of years, so we will deliver a preliminary economic assessment later this year. And I think the opportunity is that, you know, in talking to analysts and investors who are yeah. active in Roxgold, a lot of them are still carrying this asset at, at $20 million in, in their in their valuation, what we sure. paid. So sure. I think when we table a PEA and, and not to to front run what that will look like, but I think it's it's going to it's going to well, look a lot better than twenty million dollars. Well, it's, well, it's interesting. P, PEAs are different. Different, you know, people have different views of PEAs in terms of their accuracy and the the, the 
the relevance of them. So yes, some people might like it, some people may wait for the next step, okay? But yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk about, uh, actually before we talk about drill results, we'll come on to that in a second, is your share price, you took a big hit. We talked about this in the last conversation, we'll put a link up to that interview, but let's talk about that here. Share price took a bit of a hit because of some selling. You believe, well, what, what do you, what do you think, tell us about that. Yeah, look, I think we've actually recovered a little bit. You have. In the recent you last have. week or so. But look, I want people to explain, because they look, if they look at the chart, they're going to go, oh, wait, the, the, there's something going on here. But it's explainable, so why don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. So, so it's been quite an eventful 12 months for, for Roxgold in terms of its share register. Uh, probably a lot of your viewers would, be, would have seen this rippling through junior mining companies when uh, M&G lost their Vanguard yeah. mandate Two or three. in July of last yeah. year, yeah. and that went to Wellington. And we've, uh, and I think we might have talked a little bit about that. So that was announced, I think, in July last year, when we were trading at a point of of a dollar forty. Mm. And you know, we're not looking to to ma- to make excuses, but when you look at the share graph performance, basically from the day of that announcement, it trailed from a dollar forty down to seventy cents or thereabouts as the stock, as that overhang leaned on our stock. And that is a little bit. There's a bit of a subtle difference that's happened too because we historically have been a fairly thinly traded company. So we've got a, a good number of very long-term loyal shareholders who own big chunks mm. of Roxgold and don't sell them and don't, you know, don't buy more, don't sell more, they're happy with their position. Yeah. So we've had a lot of, we've had limited trading. Yeah. But, and so when you have a, your second largest shareholder loses its mandate and yeah. everyone expects it to be sold, which it subsequently yeah. was, yeah. that's a bit of a problem for you. Yeah. So that predictable response, share price down, that cleared in late January, so there was a bought deal, a, a, a deal done, and a, and a block traded, uh, which went to a lot of good homes, uh, good long-term strong ha- hands, and that really marks we, we, the share price has turned around quite a bit since then, and that's been very helpful for us. And what that's also done is it's really increased the velocity of our trading. So our share trading has gone up considerably. Yeah. And the the upshot of that is is interesting because one of the one of the key sort of structural shifts in the junior resource market has really been the rise of passive investing. And that's that's not just junior resource. Sure, that's yeah, the board. yeah we, we, we've talked about them previ- previous but we interviews. Are, but so we're well on track for inclusion in the junior ETF, the GDXJ, at the next rebalance. So I'll, How do you know that? Well, so, you know, you look at the, the, the criteria for, for entry and it's pretty straightforward. You what need a market capitalization of greater than 150 million US. So that's a check for Roxco. And you need to have one million, an average of $1 million per day traded for three consecutive quarters. Now, they're not calendar quarters, so this current quarter finishes in August. Mm. But we've already cleared that hurdle for two quarters. We're halfway through the third quarter, and we're trading at over $1.5 million US a day right. as we speak. So, if That's, that a, that's a big deal. The GDXJ is, a, is a big deal. Because you're looking at a significant new shareholder buying onto the register. Right. And also that facilitates other shareholders, right. I think, who may be looking at being tied right. to the index and then increasing our liquidity. Great. Okay. Well, that, you know, I hope that comes because I think for, for retail, family, that's office important. and high net worth, that's a big deal. Yes. It shouldn't be understated. No, okay. So sure. uh, we will watch out and see if that happens. Now, generally, you've, you're... You know, I'm looking. I'm looking at things like your ASIC and your 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 overheads and your costs and your GNA and all of that sort of good stuff. And I always ask the CEOs in terms of what what do they think juniors should be paying 
their board, their management, you know, and how do they remunerate each other? Is it incentivized on deliverables or is it actually I'll just take a big salary here. Mm. How do you guys uh, look at that? How do you approach that? So I think, and I mean, there's there's a lot of commentary on what's the appropriate Quite rightly. for shareholders. Quite Absolutely. rightly. It's a, it's a, I know it's a, it can be a hot button item for a lot of people. I think with Roxgold, we have a, a, a combination of, of fixed and variable pay. And, and really it's fixed pay is you know, a salary and the rest is really to be put at risk. And there's two components to the risk-based salary. There's the short-term and long-term. Short term is really set around delivering metrics. So, mm-hmm. so for myself and for my team at Roxgold, we're incentivized to on, on a variety of metrics. Safety is first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, production targets, you know, making sure we hit various milestones in terms of development. Who, cost, se- who sets those? That's you, set by the board. So the board set the targets by which they're remunerated. No, no, that's no. So the board, the board don't have those sort of targets. This right. is for the executive team. I have Got it. Okay. On the board, but this is for the executive team. Got it. Okay. I'm so, sorry. so you have you have to deliver, and if you and there's a range, and if you don't deliver, then you don't get that component of your short term incentive. Right. And then on the long term incentive is essentially fully tied to shareholder returns. And and who watches the watchers, as it were? Because I've been talking to a company. Let's say in the last two weeks, kind of keep it vague. You know, the the, the they have a little bit of production. They have a market cap of circa somewhere between two and three hundred million, and their board their board pays themselves as much as the Kirkland Lake board. I'm like, wow, mm. that's that's pretty ballsy for a yep. low revenue business. So you know, so, so I you know, I can sort of see we get a lot of communication from investors that are saying, well, you know, what are the rules? Who manages that? Who oversees that? Because people forget to read the prospectus when they're putting their money in, mm. if there's a private placement or if there's a fundraise of any description. I mean, it's, it's just interesting how juniors manage that. Yeah, so I guess the, the, who's, who's watching the watcher, and, and it's, not, it's not an exact science, but I think the, the rise of the proxy advisor has been interesting in recent years. Mm. So a lot of, I'm sure a lot of your viewers are aware, a lot of, the, a lot of funds sort of go to, are advised by proxy advisors, and yeah. these proxy advisors comb through the management circulars and, and annual reports to see what the, the, the pay mix is. Yeah. And they basically have a recommended approach. They have a template. Yeah. And that's largely in line with what I was, was saying. So there's things that they don't like. Mm. Um, they prefer whole share units over options because they're less dilutive, things like that. They, they want to see performance metrics that if your company outperforms its peer set, then yeah. that's good. If it underperforms, then there's less reward. Yeah. So, so they want to see that the management team, you know, makes some gain when the shareholders and the company's doing well and feels some pain right. on, the, on the downside. We're here to help investors understand why they should invest in Rocks Gold. So let's get back to that picture painting. Sure. You've got, you've got Yaramoko. It's, you're enhancing that. You're, you're continuing to work and extend that life of mine. Very high grade, very low ASIC. It's a good, solid project and you will keep sweating that. Mm. And it's producing cash to allow you, give you the freedom to do things. You've just bought Seguela. You like what you see. You've explained why you bought it, why you paid the price that you do. So how do those things set in terms of your vision, the complete picture, the overall picture of what Rocks Gold could be? 
okay, don't, we, without getting into there, we're going to get into development, etc. We will never sell. It's you know all of that stuff. Don't do that. Mm. Do the reality. What are the options for you if you build this out the way that you could? Okay. Sure. So so the first and foremost is to try and make as many things as you can. Um, Put them under your control as, as right. best you can. So there's a lot of variables that we can't control yeah. in our business price, price of life, absolutely. Whatever. But what we can control is is our capital structure to a certain extent, and, and mm. for us that's very important. Mm. And and on the theme of the why we went to Seguela, the, the the beauty of this project is we can build this out without raising another dollar of equity. And that's as I said, we paid cash because we didn't want to issue shares. We from cash on our balance sheet and cash from Yarramoko and probably. A combination of of a, of a re, mm. re recut financing or project finance arrangement. Yeah, we should be able to build Seguela without going to our shareholders and asking them to dip into their pocket right. to fund our growth. Right, and I think that's important. So, so that's 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 really a sort of set in stone for us. That's what we want to do. So, ideally, we would like to find a third project. Yep, uh, and if we could re, re, rinse and repeat. The Seguela style of experience, we would do that yep. because I think we could then schedule that to come in after, say, Seguela. Yeah. And again, if we could do that, you know, by minimising or avoiding dilution totally, and then use cash flow from Yarramoko and Seguela to then build that, we're actually starting to look like a real business as opposed to a mining company because we're taking earnings, genuine cash flow, and reinvesting at an increasing. That's the, that's what interests me. That's what interested me when we talked last online. It the model was different. It seems to be a business which understands the needs of investors. So you're not asking them to continually fork out or diluting them. Uh, you're creating your cash to give you optionality, which is great. Are we going to see dividends at some point? So an interesting thing. So so a book that I've read and I've read it. A couple of times now mm-hmm. is, is outliers, and, and yeah. maybe familiar. Yeah. It's really talks about CEOs have been very impactful, and and tries to sort of divine what was different about these mm-hmm. these actors or these CEOs who yeah. really compounded earnings and made extreme returns for their shareholders. And one of those is really they they don't typically pay dividends; they favour buybacks. So the the form of return of capital to shareholders is buybacks. Okay. But what they do is they take the earnings from their business and they reinvest those earnings, allocate that capital into future growth, and that's what we're we're looking sure. to do. So so it's not. I don't think it's a, it's a new. It's certainly not a new idea that we're no. Up with but them. it's important for people to understand the way you think because there are different ways you can come at this. Some people look at cost cutting exercises. Some reinvesting in infrastructure, dividends for some, buybacks, effectively the same thing. So yeah, okay. So so we like, so so we see, so, so my main job, the principal job that I have is really allocating capital. Now when you're a single asset, as we were with Yarramoko, yeah. it's pretty difficult. So for a man with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. I love that So quote. you drill around yep. and you drill Yarramoko. Yep. So, so now with Seguela coming on, we've now, taken our first step into being able to, to really establish a competition for capital in within Roxgold. So the exploration team at Yarramoko needs to be able to justify why their targets are as good, if not better, than the targets at Seguela. And mm. then we can adjudicate with our Vice President, Paul Leiden, and direct the capital to where we think the best return is, both in terms of absolute returns, sort of temporal, like you know, what's the faster path to a return, etc. So I think that's really set up an interesting dynamic for our company that we now have 
the, op the opportunity to, to direct cash flow in a different direction. Absolutely. It, it comes back to remembering. I like the fact that you said you're not a mining company. That's great. It's one of the very few people to recognize this in this space and you know, what they know existence for. And I like the approach to growth capital. It's a question of what's that eventually going to mean to new people coming in and existing people, shareholders, how do they see a return? How are you going to get them that return to mean that, you know, so they ask this question of, well, maybe I should have put my money somewhere else. So sure. why stick with you? Sure. Why come into So Rock's I think there's, there's two paths. So, so, so in my career, generally the, 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 the happiest path to realizing returns has been to be taken out. And sure. So I've been. Well, is that true these days? Because the, the the multiples are not what they once were. So what what, well, what would you think they would be? Well, I think that's because we're in a cyclical business. So so right. so for me, the biggest returns come from being able to work within the cycle. So it's classic. I mean, it's easier said than done. Buy low, sell high. You've done it a couple of times. I note. And, and and yes, that's right. So we have. So we've had three exits. One I always characterise as an, as an honourable draw, and two which were. I think very successful for, for everyone involved. Um, MPI Mines back in the early 2000s and, and Frontier Gold yep. had a very good team there. I worked with, with some very good mining professionals and Newmont acquired Frontier in 2011 and, mm. and it was really, and they bought a really good project. Yeah. But it was a good time to sell a project. But you weren't CEO then, no, okay? No, you weren't running that, you're part of a team. So today, what do you think you need to create to put yourself in a position to, if you wanted, be yeah. taken out. So my so my whiteboard has has three projects, three operating projects on it. Yeah. And then a potentially world class scale asset in in the in the in the future. Okay. So we've taken our step towards getting two of those. So we've got our second mine. Right. So sequentially we'll build that. I would love to find another Seguela or something similar right. that's hiding in someone's portfolio that they. But where's the like. where's the bit where you're making investors money? Because spending money on stuff, great. So how does this three three plus one world class asset convert into a big payday for investors? Well, well, I think so. I mean, I think compounding those earnings and making sure that our share count, if our share count has stayed tight, mm. then those three hundred and seventy four million shares that we have on issue today mm. are earning a lot more cash. Now, I think you get down to a debate, and maybe it's a bit more philosophical as to whether Fine. people want cash in their hands yeah. or whether they want to have that cash reinvested. And continually grown at a higher and higher rate. I'd say both because it, so, it mitigates their exposure. No, no, that's right. So I think so. So for us, we think as long as there are opportunities to continue to reinvest capital at sort of the returns we expect to see from Seguela and mm -hmm. you know, Project Number Three, we would recommend continuing to do that. Mm -hmm. I would like to ultimately have an asset that's in the pipeline that is has the potential to be a real game changer, uh, and that's probably you know taking some geological risk and investing in it. And, you know, and, and moving along, and and ultimately, I mean, one of the case studies that I like to, to look at is was Redback, mm -hmm. a very successful company, made a lot of money for its shareholders, had a good mine at Sharano in Ghana, yeah, I think doing around two hundred thousand ounces, and then they had a massive project at, at Tazist in Mauritania, just proved eventually proved irresistible to Kinross, yeah, and they came in and paid something in the order of I think eight billion dollars. So the shareholders who were sitting in Redback five years earlier probably didn't envisage an eight billion dollar payday. But I think that's sort of the, I think if you get the timing right and you've done a good job building a compelling business. Then well, yeah, obviously that's the dream because that's the one a really good example. Um, putting it in today's language, what are you trying to be? 
I mean, you, you, eight billion dollar company from where you are today. That's you got a ways to no, go, right? Yeah. No, so, no. but I mean, I think yeah. to, to be a five dollar stock, yeah. Box Gold needs to take its three hundred and seventy-four million shares. Yeah. To around math around one point six, one point seven billion. Right. Now, from a three hundred plus million dollar market cap, these are all US dollars. Now, yeah, that may seem a little ambitious. But from what I've I've seen in the past, when the when the market and the cycle is in your favour, then there's the opportunity to make an outsized return, mm. and that's what we're sort of looking to do. So so we don't know when or if that will happen again. Yeah. If history is any guide, it will happen. It's just hard to predict when. So what we're going to do in the meantime is build a company that will be irresistible both to investors along the journey and also potentially a large acquirer in the future. Okay. Thank you. Let's talk about the future. Sure. Uh, last time you wouldn't give me a number about the gold market because you because you've been around too long. <laughs> you, know, you know not to fall for that one. But the, the gold market, since we spoke, has started moving. You know there are some signs that it's heading the right way. So you talk about timing a second ago. How long do you think the cycle will last, or do you think it's just unpredictable these days? Look, I think it's I think it's very it's definitely unpredictable. So I, I would generally stick to my my practice of not providing thank, numbers. Thank certainly, you. Certainly not numbers and thank certainly you. not times. But I think <laughs> as a as a as a broad direction of travel, yeah, it looks extremely positive for precious metals. I think we've we've seen an unprecedented eighteen hundred bucks. Oh, I think that's well within within right. range. I, I don't know when, but if you look at if you look at gold in the in the two thousands when it came off its lows yep. at around two fifty. At the turn of the millennium, it ran pretty strongly up, and the, and then you know when we had the GFC immediately around the GFC, gold didn't perform very well at all, and then you had a bunch of radical action, and then gold took off, and then it's you know come back down again, but still pretty high. I mean, over north of fourteen hundred dollars historically is not a bad gold price. Yeah. But I think as we see the Take liquidity that. start to unfold, central banks looking after their balance sheet and maybe some normality return, then gold stands a very good chance. Of, of seeing new highs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the geopolitics of this plays out. Um, I, think, I mean, the, the geopolitical always is a, is a nice tailwind for gold. I think generally it's not what's sustainable for gold. I think gold is really the, the currency aspects of gold, the safe haven, the, the, non, the ability that you can't debase gold. But people have been saying that for three years, the last three years, okay? Um, so, you know, if you come back to the, it's a timing argument, that's one thing, but you know, what people say, people of power say, does have an impact. Well, no, it does. Decisions I mean, made at the you know, US Treasury has an impact. I, I think those have more impact than sort of geopolitical impacts. Right. Issues. I mean, gold in, gold in two, the middle of 2015 was 1050. It's now yeah. pushing 1450. I mean, that's nearly 40% increase mm. in four years. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's heading on the right path, and I, mm. don't see any, I don't see that there's a reason for it to, to stop its upward ascent. Well, be happy days if it does. Absolutely. John, appreciate your time. Great insight into the business and your thinking, which is what I think people appreciate, understanding the the nature of the the people behind the decision-making. We'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.